HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This program is made possible thanks to the generosity of our listeners. Show your support at heritageradionetwork.org slash donate. This week on Meet and 3, we're talking about comfort food as we explore its history, meaning, and different interpretations from around the world. Donburi is just a simple, casual dish, but it's packed with the history. Somebody might have their comfort food be something that they remember eating at their friend's house, but they would never have at their own home. Consuming foods that were eaten then can bring back some of those feelings from from those times. It's about creating these little breaks and moments during the day where you kind of feel present. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news roundup, wherever you listen to podcasts. Welcome to Jupiter's Almanac. I'm Matthew Rayford, the great-great-great-grandson of Jupiter Gilliard, a former slave who bought the land I now farm in Georgia nearly 150 years ago. Through the years, my ancestors have passed down some essential and hard-earned wisdom about growing and producing the food we eat. In this podcast, I'll share that inheritance with you. So if you are just starting out, reconnecting with the land, or a seasoned farmer or cook, join our conversation. Today, you will hear my interview with Marvin Frank from Briarwood Cattle Farm in Red Springs, North Carolina. I met Marvin over 22 plus years ago in the desert. Um, we are both veterans and today is Veterans Day. And this is kind of like an amazing thing because um, you're going to find out some really interesting things about cattle, find out some really interesting things about friendship. Um, and it's it's just amazing. It's uh, I probably one of the best interviews I've had um, with an individual thus far. So um, Briarwood Cattle Farm, uh, Marvin uh originally started with just a couple of head of cattle and i believe he's up to almost 75 um as of today a big theme of our conversation is the ways farming can connect you with community for marvin the farmer veteran coalition has been a big part of that the farmer veteran coalition is a organization that actually connects farmers um veterans all together um into one big uh kind of like a big pot right so everybody kind of helps each other teaches each other 
Um, there are also um, various programs from uh, help with getting a farmer's tractor um, to even like my sister and I, we were got our first uh, high tunnel from them, which was just like amazing. My sister did 20 years in the Navy and I did 10 years in the Army. Well, without further ado, let's jump into my conversation with Marvin Frank. How are you doing, Marvin? Hey, absolutely great. Can't complain, my friend. Awesome. 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 So, Marvin Frank, tell me a little bit about Briarwood Cattle Farm. Set set a picture for everybody that's listening. Absolutely. Um, Briarwood Cattle Farm is a um, grass-fed cow-calf operation. Um, our specialty here is ground beef. Um, so that way we can continue feeding our community. It helps me to continue uh, being part of an organization, uh, being part of you know, good friends like you and, you know, everyone else that's connected to us. Um, um, it's, it's a way for us to regroup and keep each other together here. So Broadwood Cattle Farm is just something that's designed to keep me stable again, you know, because I actually got to a point um, where it was kind of hard to adjust or deal with things dealing with PTSD. But Broadwood brought that back for me. So, so you brought up PTSD, and um, you and I have uh, a really good history together. We've met uh, over 20 years ago in the sandbox, and then again uh, being stationed in Korea. Um, do you ever remember us ever having like a real conversation about farming or agriculture ever at all 20 years ago? Absolutely. Actually, I do. Um, I could tell you the exact location. Um, we were in um, Suwon uh, Air Base. Um, at that time in Korea, okay. and um, it was a uh, Saturday morning, right at the barbecue grill at the basketball court. Um, your your <laughs> barracks was um, on the other side because you was a uh, NCO, and um, my barracks is on the opposite side. But we all met over there together, so that way we can actually have a you know a daily conversation. But at that time, we were talking about food and growing things because in Korea they actually. Everything is farming over there. So I can actually remember yeah. that. I actually remember you saying um, uh, that uh, you wanted to become that top notch chef. And um, actually, you did it. <laughs> you actually did yeah. that thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, did that thing. Did that, that was thing. over right. 20 yeah, you years know, it, ago. It, yeah. I mean, think, you know, it's, it's really amazing how. Um, the things that uh, you talk about, if you put things into action, how they can be manifested. And, and um, I am uh, totally humbled and honored to be at this point in my life to be able to connect back with so many people that I've known in the past. And then to see that we are, you know, in this uh, good food movement together. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I was at your farm a, a while back and um, I remember you and I talking and you talked to me about cows having a green tongue. So, mm -hmm. so, and, and I, I started laughing and I was like, I don't think I've ever like really looked <laughs> at a cow's tongue before, but you had me standing out there in the middle of that field and I was looking at that cow and I looked and I watched as it was eating when the tongue came out that it was green. Absolutely. Can you explain to me the difference between 
like a green tongue cow and any of the other kind, you know, because I mean, Hey, I'm a chef. Um, I'm a chef and a farmer. So I, I can, I can equate, um, cooking cow tongue and all of that kind of stuff. But green, I hadn't really thought about like the color and what that means. Can you, can you give us a little bit of, uh, uh, background on that. <laughs> Actually, I can. Um, um, so my mentor's name is uh, Mr. Harrison Campbell. Um, Mr. Campbell is um, okay. 86 years old, uh, old school, traditional farmer. And um, okay. uh, the, the big thing in beef is always talking about either uh, uh, grain fed versus grass fed. Um, so to tell the difference mm-hmm. between the two, grass fed, uh, his tongue or her tongue is actually going to be green from eating so much greenery, so much healthy grass. Um, the light right. color of the grass is going to tell you um, that they're getting proper nutrition out of that grass. If their tongue is always red, that means that they're getting less grass and more grain. Mm. Wow. That's just a, that's just a method. Um, if you go into a, another farmer's farm or you go into mm-hmm. – um, you know, go to a sale barn to, you know, to get mm-hmm. some some cattle. That's how you could tell when you're looking at the cows, right? You know, they're not along, not only that, but plus with the score as well. The score is just um, okay. the size of the cows, the hips, um, the mm-hmm. brisket size, and mm-hmm. so forth. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. So so twenty years in the military, retired, and decide to take on a mission that is completely controlled by nature. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Walk, walk, me, walk me through, walk me through your process as you started thinking about the transition out of the military to the transition to the mission of raising, you know, sustainably regenerative agriculture styled uh, ranching. Can, give, give me your thought process on that because you know it's kind of like. I, I I equate this podcast to the mind of a chef. I want to get mm-hmm. into some minds of farmers. Like what goes through your mind as you think about uh, calving season, uh, you know, your calves coming, what goes through your mind uh, mm-hmm. when you're trying to set up your operation? And I also know, tell me a little bit, if you can also within the same question, like mm-hmm. your thought process, because I know you talked about growing your herd. So, so if you can cover that, that would be great. All right. So um, the, the first question is the why natural. Um, believe it or not, the natural part is actually me finding myself. Um, being in the military for so long, you actually get lost. Now you become uh, more or less of a poser. Um, and what I mean by a poser is that you're becoming that professional, something else. Um um, so that professional soldier that you're in, but believe it or mm-hmm. not, it creates posership. Um, mm-hmm. But once you get out of the military, uh, you don't really have anything to go back to. So for me, it had to take me back to the 17 year old me. Um, now, where I'm going at with that is for me being on a on a, a beef cattle operation. Now it gets to the point now for doing it natural helps me to find myself. Um, for me to be outside, for me to be um, you know, hands on with the animals, uh, mm-hmm. you know, with the, with <laughs> nature, it helps me to find mm-hmm. myself due to peace, peace of mind out of that. Okay. Okay. Wow. 
All you know, right, it's right. it's a uh, believe it or not, it's believe it or not, it's kind of uh, it's, it's it's very therapeutic. Um, I actually call it agrotherapy um, because the sounds outside, uh, the wind, seeing the birds fly, all of that actually brings you to a point to appreciate life because you mm. could actually mm. uh, blow past a day and not even see the beautiful uh, skies or see the, the the trees blowing or the autumn leaves because we're so focused on other mm-hmm. things and not focused on just right. good common living. And believe you me, I was lost right. in that era. Not only me, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, others <laughs> as well, but this is a good way to get grounded and get mm-hmm. back into finding Ray and then loving yourself again. I'm learning to do that again. Learn to love myself. Good. Man, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I'm glad to hear that. We'll be right back with more of my conversation with Marvin in just a minute. All of us at HRN have been keeping busy, despite working and recording from home. This fall, we're proud to announce new shows on the network that each bring important and enlightening stories to listeners around the world. While the world is in turmoil and the future of our country is uncertain, there are certain constants that help keep us going. For us, food and storytelling are essential. While we can't come together in person, food podcasts from HRN provide a virtual table we can all gather around. Bringing exceptional stories to your ears and keeping you informed on the ever-changing political and environmental issues of our time is integral to our mission. At a time when the world around us is rapidly changing, HRN is committed to being here for our listening community, and we need you to be here for us. Join our table and help ensure the future of food radio by becoming a member of HRN. Go to heritageradionetwork.org donate to make a contribution. Check out the latest additions to our lineup while you're there. You can see all of our series at heritageradionetwork.org slash new show. The Stone Barn Center for Food and Agriculture will be hosting their annual Young Farmers and Cooks Conference virtually this year on December 8th through 10th. Programming will cover topics like mutual aid, regional grain economies, land management practices, and much, much more. Whether you're a farmer, cook, butcher, miller, preservationist, processor, or anyone else in the food chain, this conference is for you. Learn more at stonebarncenter.org YFCC. You know, I, I think you set me up for the next question and conversation, which is the Farmer Veterans Coalition. Okay. I, I remember you, uh, I remember the the first time you called me and said, uh, you know, outside of us just doing a regular chat, you was like, uh, I need to share something with you. And I said, oh, what, what, what do you want to do? And, you know, what, what's going on? You said, I'm getting ready to start branching. Mm-hmm. And I said, really? And mm-hmm. I said, well, let me tell you what I think you should do. And I connected you to Michael Orgorman and the Farmer Veterans Coalition. Um, and it's really an amazing, well, first of all, it's an amazing organization to, to, to start off with. They've yep. done some really, really amazing work. But can you share um, with 
uh, our listeners some of that journey with the Farmers Veterans Coalition and where you move from, from buying your first cow to the size, or, or even, you know, I have to go with exact numbers, but to the size of an operation that you have now. Absolutely. Um, so I got it. It starts with you, Ray, believe it or not. Um, you know, even though we were stationed and deployed together and so forth, um, you are my mentor and there is nothing oh. that I haven't done uh, without communicating to you first. Um, I looked at everything backwards um, due to if you're going to start something, I want to start at where it's going to end at. And mm -hmm. in this world, you want to talk to a chef. So what okay. better person to talk to um, someone who's handling food all the time, someone who's um, seeing it, dealing with weighing it, so forth. That's the end product to that. So I wanted to start with you, but not only with you, but, but you're my best friend. You're my big brother. You know, you're oh. my mentor. Wow. So it's so many entities out of that is to start with somewhere because it's hard dealing with wanting to start up a new business or start up a a new farm because your imagination um, is so big and you see it from start to finish in your imagination. But two minutes later, reality kicks in and you're back to, oh, man, here we go. So where do I start at? So once I got out of the imagination part of it, reality kicked in and said, call Chef Matthew Rayford. And um, okay. <laughs> when I, by, by me doing that, um, you uh, walked me through some problems that I was dealing with at that time. And then you also walked me through a resource. Um, uh, my dad used to say, son, the word of the day is resources. Um, someone else, you connect with someone that has things that you're needing or wanting. Mm -hmm. What they started with is more than enough for you to get with because they've outgrown what you're starting with. Mm -hmm. um, so okay. resources, the word of the day. So you linked me up with the Farmers Veteran Coalition. Um, um, at that time, um, as a matter of fact, Ray, you're one of the founding members of the Farmers Veteran Coalition. Um, okay. A lot of people don't even know that, <laughs> but <laughs> you're one of the founding members of the Farmers Veteran Coalition. And once this thing got off the ground real good. So you linked me up with Michael O'Gorman. And um, at that time, and I'm not embarrassed to say this right here, at that time, that's when I was going through uh, really, really heavy depression at that time. And okay. um, um, I got a chance to talk with, you know, uh, the Farmers Veteran Coalition um, to help me with the resources, with the answers to find um, with that. Um, finding them and talking with them led me in the right direction. And, and I want to say this part here, getting into agriculture is like getting into a fraternity. You have a lot of people into it, but no one really wants to bring you right in. It's as if you got to prove yourself before you even talk to anybody. Okay. Well, the Farmers Veteran Coalition takes that right on out and they help you with the resources that you're looking for. In my case, I was wanting to start, uh, start off with land learning, learning, learning the soil, learning grasses, learning, um, you know, the, the, the microorganisms and so forth, the things that the cow is going to need. And mm -hmm. um, they linked me up with different people, uh, you know, like Yanni um, at the Farmers Veteran Coalition. Um, uh, and they would get the resources and give it back to me or link me up with a farmer in a whole nother state 
that we could talk to that's like-minded or with the right tools. Um, the Farmers Veteran Coalition saw that, uh, saw a huge problem in that because you can go to your local um, agriculture center um, and go in to get resources, but the resources, uh, Matthew, are on VHS tapes or mm-hmm. um, the information is so outdated when the average person wants to do a bouillon search and Google something. Mm-hmm. You know, so okay. you look for the answer right now where where Michael O'Gorman put a team together to help everyone out with that, because, you know, dealing with, uh, you know, the military, you, you're always seeking a yes. You're always, you know, how can I make this happen? And that lowers your stress level when you could get the resources that you need or the information that you need. And right. the Farmers Veteran Coalition helped me out with that uh, to include. um you know, uh, linking me up with great farmers to get me started out in that. Oh yeah, yeah. Wow, I, I you know, you, you you got me. Uh, that you know, that's why I say I'm I'm always humbled and honored to talk to other other veteran farmers. Um, because you know, we've taken up two mantles, right? You you've taken up mm-hmm. a mantle to you know protect and serve um the country from uh from all aspects. And then when you look at taking up farming as, as the next and feeding the people and taking care of the people, you know, that's, that's just the, you know, that's where that, that saying the salt of the earth, you know what I'm saying? So absolutely. Um, Farming is just a way to stay community, you know, stay connected, you know, we're used to being with teams. We're so used to being with people every day. Yeah. You know, uh, just to go back to something, Ray, when you left, man, everybody, man, was saddened that you left. You were a very important person in all of our lives. Hey, and I was still good. today. You yeah. are you're that, you know, so very similar situation. Farming is kind of like that camaraderie um, that we're so used to being with. Yeah. Farming gives you uh, the sense of purpose mm-hmm. to be, you know, uh, to want to get up and live again. And, 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 I'm, and I'm talking open because I want actually people to hear the story, mm-hmm. to see what we're dealing with coming from out of the military and into right. farming. Right. So I actually want to give it to you raw. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, speaking about giving it to me raw, this has been the craziest year. Mm-hmm. Like just upside down, you know, 2020, you, you name it. Um, it, it, it has it has happened in so many different ways. And, um, you know, everybody has, you know, figured out how to live in their new normal um, Mm -hmm. and uh, realizing uh, the amount of police brutality that has happened, realizing that there's been food apartheid in different areas. It's just, it's, it's an amazing thing to to watch people trying to come together. Mm -hmm. And, I want I want to hear from you, brief, you know, briefly. You don't have to go into any major detail. And this this isn't anything about politics. This is about agriculture. Absolutely. Where okay. do you see? Where do you see the future of agriculture in 2020? And what have you seen this year to make you say that? So, um, number one, it's actually two two parts to this question. I want to answer. Mm-hmm. Number one, farming is is going to be the key to the answer to a lot of our issues and a lot of our problems. Um, number one, 
a lot of our food, what people don't know is it's coming from New Mexico, um, coming from China, uh, coming from Brazil, um, you know, uh, beef, chicken and pork. Um, what, what, but we don't know the standards that they're raising those livestock on to mm-hmm. get it here. But by us being here, boots on the ground here, what I'm saying, meaning being here, you know what's in your food because I want my food to be raised healthy for my family, for your family, for the listener's family. Um, you know, that's clean, healthy, uh, no GMOs, natural way of living um, mm-hmm. and a natural food. Um, by doing that, it actually puts you back into a healthier living. You're not as tired. You're not as you know stressful. And it feels good to have your hands in there to do something with that. Um, to to know your product with that, and it it actually is actually is a better way of living mm-hmm. um, to do that. The second part to that is uh, food is the number one thing that's going to bring people together because you can have good conversations over food. Um, it prevents people from doing negative things by having something to eat. Um, I, I I know for a fact food is part of a. Uh, uh, the average security plan um, that prevents people from doing negative things. So farmers have extra amount of stuff or food or chicken, beef or pork or whatever that farmer is raising that they could donate out to the community to help feed families um, that are in need um, or that need, you know, need food for that day or for that week. and then we have great chefs like you that can cook it and prepare it. <clears throat> so it's multiple, multiple ways to do it. And I think farmers will be that next part of the solution. I really do. Man, you 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 got me tight over here right now. I'm I'm like, whoo, man. You know, um, you, know, you it, w- w- without even saying it, you said food security is national security. You know what I'm saying? Without absolutely. even. Without even, you know, Brett Lawler, uh, you know, a good friend of ours from the Very Farms Coalition, he always said that, you know, local, local, local food security is national security and that we, right. need to, we need to figure out better ways to do all of this. Hey, I want to give a big thanks um, to Marvin. And I really uh, enjoyed our conversation. And, you know, that that self-care, self-love piece is uh, is really real. And uh, I appreciate also your openness on mental health and having those uh, conversations um, outright because uh, there's a lot of us that have been uh, not out of fear, but just out of uh, the the stigma that uh, flows under PTSD and mental illnesses and understanding that uh, we do need to do self-care to be able to rectify those situations. Well, that's the show. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Jupiter's Almanac wherever you get your podcasts. Special thanks to Marvin Frank. Our executive producer is Kat Johnson. Jupiter's Almanac is also produced by Dylan Hoyer. Our audio engineer is Matt Patterson. Our theme song was composed by The Joy Drops. Jupiter's Almanac is powered by Simplecast. Jupiter's Almanac is a production of Heritage Radio Network the world's pioneer food radio station. 
Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org and follow us at heritage underscore radio. And we want to hear from you. Send us any questions in writing or as voice memos that we can help answer on the air at Jupiter's Almanac at heritageradionetwork.org.